athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. Thank you for joining me on another edition of Box to Row. And uh, guess what? I mean, anyone that's been listening to this program, August 20th will make 18 years on the air. And for 18 years, we have been trying to get Box to Row on in the Queen City. So we want to welcome the Queen City. I'm going to welcome them properly. I'm going to welcome the Queen City properly towards the end of the program as Boxero now airing in Charlotte. Listen, whole lot to get to, a lot going on. As a matter of fact, joining us today on Box to Row, Florida A&M head baseball coach Jamie Shoup going to join us on the program. The Rattlers, a bit of a surprise in winning the SWAC Baseball Tournament Championship and now going to be in Gainesville, Florida this weekend. And uh, it's going to be a, that's going to be a tough, that's a tough weekend for Florida A&M. However, Jamie Shoup has been getting it done as the head coach, going back to his days in the MEAC, won the MEAC Tournament Championship in 2014 and 2019. He's got some players, like they've got, the, the, the Rattlers can hit the baseball. 69 home runs on the season as a team. That's a lot of home runs, okay? You look at guys that have hit double, I think it's four guys that have hit double-jet home runs. The pitching main, you know, they, they, they're they definitely going to have to outscore a team like a Florida and some of the other teams in the region. But I think for Florida AM to even be there is great. Had to knock off Alabama State a couple of times. Remember, we had Jose Vasquez, the head, the head baseball coach at, at uh, Alabama State, that is on the program going back a couple of weeks ago. They had just come off a sweep of Florida AM and then had to and then then lost and Florida AM lost to Alabama State. Then Alabama State had to beat, or excuse me, Florida AM had to beat Alabama State twice. Okay. Beat its rival Bethune Cookman, who I believe finished ahead, also of Florida AM. Got some really big wins. Listen, even as we talk with Coach Vasquez a couple of weeks ago, and, he, and we said as much. When you look at swag baseball, any it doesn't matter. I mean, the regular season matters to some degree, but when you're talking about the top three teams from each division, any team from the SWAC can win the SWAC Baseball Tournament Championship. We've seen that happen many, many times. Rarely is it the team with the best record that wins the SWAC Championship. I mean, going back... Some years there was a, a Southern team maybe going back, I don't know, seven, eight years ago that had no business winning the SWAC tournament uh, championship and, and did. 
uh, right? You look at Jackson State a couple of years, had really good records, should have maybe won based upon the record and, and some of the things it did during the regular season and didn't get it done. And I'm telling you what, that's some competitive baseball. So again, Jamie Shoup, head baseball coach, Florida A&M, going to join us on the program. We're going to talk some NBA. You've got the Nuggets and you've got the Heat. Came on this program last week. Was like, no way in the world. I, I, I felt like if Boston got one game, which it did, remember down 3-0, that Boston would win the series. Got to 3-3 and Miami said, hold up, put on the brakes, came to life. Jimmy Butler and the crew, Martin Wright. I mean, you've got these guys playing ball, right? And so I I still think Denver wins this series in six. We are where we are with the series after after one game, and we'll talk more about game one from Thursday. But I think Denver wins this series in six games. And it's the more talented team. Uh, but, I'm, I, but again, I cannot count Miami out. I can't count Jimmy Butler out. With that being said, a lot of talk during this week. Okay, we rarely, a lot of times, consider Jimmy Butler as one of, when you think about the top 10 players in the league. We don't think about Jimmy Butler a lot of times in that manner, at least regular season-wise, right? This guy has been unbelievable in the postseason throughout the course of this postseason. And so we're going to bring on Mike Wallace, who's the senior editor of Grind City Media. You know, Mike is a regular on the program to talk about the Heat. We're, we, I want to get the latest also on John Moran. Obviously, the, the Grind City Media is the website of the Memphis Grizzlies, so he covers uh, the Grizzlies inside and out. So I want to get the latest on John Morant. But prior to his position with Grind City Media, Mike covered the Miami Heat for 10 years. Four of those years with the Miami Herald, six of those years for ESPN. So he was there during the the uh, Dwayne Wade and Shaquille O'Neal championship and, of course, uh, the LeBron James Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh championships um, as well. So he has his pulse on the heat, what a victory would mean to that city. Mike Wallace, senior editor of Grind City Media, going to join us today also on the program. You can join us here on Box to Row. Hit us up via Twitter at Box to Row, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. You can also hit me on my personal Twitter account at Dware one at Dware one to join us on the conversation. We're going to keep it moving here on Box to Row, joined by a gentleman in his 10th season as the head baseball coach at Florida A&M. The Rattlers going to be playing in the Gainesville Regional after winning the SWAC Tournament Championship. As a matter of fact, first time that the Rattlers have won the SWAC Tournament Championship, first tournament championship for the Rattlers since 2019. Again, Jamie Shoup joins us here on Box to Row. Coach Shoup, welcome back to the program, Congra- and, uh, and congratulations. Yeah, we're certainly excited to be representing the Southwestern Athletic Conference in, in the baseball tournament, the regional NCAA regional tournament. Uh, couldn't be more proud of my guys, couldn't be proud of our university, and uh, just looking forward to competing. I know we got a tough draw with the number two team, uh, National Signet Country, University of Florida, a team that I've been familiar with, with for years, and uh, 
you know, I, I'm sure the, there'll be a lot of Rattlers that'll take the trip down to Gainesville and, and support our players. You know, it's interesting because I think I guess we haven't, with COVID and all of that, we haven't talked to you since probably 2019 when uh, your team won the tournament. Does and I and I looked up, and this is your tenth season. Does it feel like it's been ten seasons there in Tallahassee? <laughs> no, it doesn't. It's gone by very, very fast. It's actually our ninth season when you take COVID. I've been here ten years, but you have to take the COVID season out. Uh, so it, this is our ninth season competing since I've been in. The, at Florida a and It's only our second season in the SWAC as well. So uh, to win it, you know, to win the SWAC, which is such a tough baseball conference uh, in our second season, we certainly feel honored to uh, to be able to say that. it's uh, this, this league is tough, and there's good baseball. There's good baseball because there's good coaching in this league. So, uh, again, we're just – we're proud. We're very proud because we as players, we as a university, know how tough the Southwestern Athletic Conference is. Um and, uh, you know, we're happy, to, we're happy to represent the SWAC, and hopefully we'll give them good representation this weekend in the regional tournament. Yeah, can you expound on that a little bit in this respect? Because I had Coach Vasquez on the program um, uh, maybe last week or a couple of weeks ago and said that very thing because in studying and having watched this in the SWAC over the years, I mean, you could have the best team as uh, Alabama State was and then another team win the conference championship. It's happened to Jackson State many, many times. And the and, and generally, uh, it, 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 that's just how it is in the swag. So can you speak to that? It's once again a year where the team with the best record uh, does not win the SWAC tournament championship. Well, baseball is just that game, as you know. It's, uh, it's a just an unusual game. It's who's hot at the end. And unfortunately, uh, in the SWAC, there's, you know, there's 12 teams that compete, eight that play in the tournament. And anybody can win it if they get hot at the right time. And we were one of those teams that were fortunate enough to get hot at the right time. But you're right. Alabama State, on paper, looked like the team that would have a chance, to, the best chance to win this tournament. Uh, I was not happy that we didn't get the two seed. I thought, you know, once Alabama State kind of ran away with our division, I was uh, they had a 26-4 and regular season record. Uh, you know, we, you know what I, I know what you were alluding to when you are talking about the the records of Jackson State that, that they had two years ago when they were undefeated. I think they were playing a 24-game schedule before us and Bethune came into the SWAC. But they had a 24-0 record going into the tournament, swept their side of the tournament, the tournament bracket, so they were 27-0 in conference play. And then they got to that one-game winner-take-all championship, and uh, Southern beat them on a, you know, on a very close, in a very close ball game. So anything can happen. I was not happy that we weren't able to gain the two seed. We were very beat up at the end of the season. The last three seasons, our last three series that we played, uh, we played without, I don't know, Ty Hanchi one series with a bummed-up hand. Uh, Ty Jackson for the last three with a pulled hamstring, who's our leadoff guy. Ty, Ty Hanchi obviously being our catcher. Uh, Jared Weber was out with a virus that kept him out one of those weekends. Uh, and there was another guy or two. Beats didn't throw one of those weekends, our best pitcher. Um, so we were banged up, but we got everybody healthy at the right time. We kept our confidence. Uh, we kept believing in each other. And, you know, we were very fortunate, uh, by not, as I was saying, by not winning the second seed and being the third seed. That put us in the same bracket as Alabama State. And so, you know, we got beat in a very dramatic fashion. Uh, ninth inning had a four-run lead and couldn't hold it against a well-coached, a very good baseball team, uh, and then we're able to come back and beat Prairie View, 
uh, in the another elimination game or elimination first elimination game one to nothing, then had to come back that night and beat Alabama State and turn around and beat them again the next day to earn a right to play Bethune in the championship. So it was just a. Uh, it was. It showed a lot of heart of our guy from our guys to be able to come back as they did after such a not only a defeat but a devastating night hitting defeat, a walk off defeat. Um, so I'm proud. I'm proud to walk into Gainesville, University of Florida, with these young men. Uh, they represent our university day in and day out like you would want people to represent your family and the fam you family. Um, as I said, we had a. I told someone the other day we had a 3.2 cumulative GPA in the fall. And then turn around in the spring when we're competing in baseball, which is when you usually see your GPAs drop off a little bit. Uh, we led the athletic department with a 3.44 cumulative GPA. So proud of these men for what they do, uh, you know, in the classroom, in the community, and obviously this weekend with what they were able to accomplish on the field. Talking with Jamie Shoup, the head baseball coach at Florida A&M here on Box to Row. We're going to step aside, take a break, come back, continue the conversation with Jamie Shoup. The old renaissance is the new renaissance, standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company, uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way, Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whitbeer, the neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. Served in total wine all over North Carolina. All Weaver Street Markets. Harris Teeter. Food Lion. You can also purchase in Durham at Zwelly's, Saltbox, and Barica Soul. I am a non-attorney spokesperson representing a team of lawyers who help people that have been injured or wronged. If you've been involved in a serious car, truck, or motorcycle accident or injured at work, you have rights and you may be entitled to money for your suffering. Don't accept an offer you get from an insurance company until you talk to a lawyer. And we represent some of the best personal injury lawyers you can find. Tough lawyers that will fight to win your case. And they're so good they stake their reputation on it by only getting paid if you win. So if you've been in a serious car, truck, or motorcycle accident, or hurt on the job, find out today for free what kind of compensation you may be entitled to. Call the Legal Helpline right now. 800 425 6588. 800 425 6588. That's 800 425 6588. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. From the Press Box to Press Row. Box to 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 Box to
of the ninth, right? Okay, that's one thing. But what do you say to those guys? Because now you have to come back the the, the very next day and win a game one to nothing. Like it wasn't like you well, you blew them out. Yeah. You won that game one to nothing. <laughs> you were, uh, you know, there's nothing you can say at that point. Uh, those, there's nothing I could have said to make those make those young men feel any better because. For all practical purposes, we thought we were done simply because the road back would include three wins, two of which had to come against the team that just walked us off, and then an additional win in the championship game. Uh, I used it. I just I told them a story, a personal story that I won't you know that I won't repeat. Uh, but I told them, I you know I was so mad about about the occasion that I mentioned to them about my you know one of my sons, my one of my two boys. Uh, and my kids are old. They're 35 and 32 and 30 now, girl in the middle, two boys. But one of my boys got in a little trouble, and I was so angry when I found out about what he had done. And I, uh, I, I just wanted to get my hands on him. I was so mad. And when I saw him and I saw how broken he was and how hurt he was by what, you know, the disappointment he had brought, all I wanted to do, all I wanted to do was get my hands on him and hug him. And that's how I felt about a ball club. I was so mad that we lost the way we did. But when I saw that they were more hurt than I was, all I wanted to do was get my hands on them and hug them, man. And just know, know you know, it's all right. It's, everything's going to be okay. Did I anticipate us coming back? I hope we would. But that was devastating, man, for our for our young men wearing the uniform to you know to get beaten such not only just get beat but get beat walk off fashion against a really really good Alabama State team. So uh, I was shocked. I will not sell these men short anything from now on. Uh, they've earned my respect. Uh, they have all year just by the just, just by the way they conducted themselves the whole season. But gosh, man, it was just so fun to watch. Uh, these kids were just they were they were relentless, man. They were not gonna they were not gonna lose. And you know, I just sat back. You know, coaching sometimes we try to get too involved, and once you get to this point in the season, it's time to just sit back and see what kind of job you've done. It's like raising your kids again. You know, you, you raise them and you try to do what's right. And when they're 18, 19, 20, you sit back and see what kind of job you've done. So that's what postseason baseball is about. So I'm going to be a big fan this weekend, make out the lineup, and sit back and watch these guys and see how far they can take us. Yeah, I heard that. Jamie Shoup, the head baseball coach at Florida A&M, joins us here on the program. Looking back, Coach Shoup, at the regular season. Can you – because uh, Bethune-Cookman, your rival, took – two of three from you twice, and then uh, Alabama State uh, swept a series, and then but you won one game. Can you speak to how important it was to win at least a game against Alabama State and win uh, at least a couple of, or win a couple of games against Bethune-Cookman in the regular season and how that prepared you for the SWAC tournament where, you again, you won two of three from Alabama State and defeated Bethune-Cookman in the championship game? Yeah, it's, it's not really just those two. I mean, it's Jackson State as well. It's the other teams in our conference. We went out. We went out of our division early in the season and played Grambling in a three-game series. And Grambling ended up winning the West. Uh, we were able to beat them two out of three in Atlanta in the Gar Lucas Challenge. We also played Southern, I believe it was. And I think we also played Prairie View one time. So we tried to play early in the season some teams from the other division. Uh, one in the Andre Dawson Classic and one in the Gar Lucas in Atlanta. So we played, what was that, six games, five or six against uh, SWAC opponents uh, outside of, you know, our division early in the season. Uh, but those teams prepare you. You know, you, you know exactly what you're going to get when you play when you play Alabama State. You're going to get a well-coached team. 
The same thing goes for Bethune. The same thing goes for Jackson State. It's just, I, I, it's just good baseball. I mean, there's no other way, way to say it. I spent 21 years across the road from FAMU at Florida State uh, in that dugout, and the, the level of baseball, we may not, you know, we may not have the depth that those bigger programs have, but we got some young men that, that that know how to play the game of baseball. So we were prepared for the tournament. You know, that's our job as coaches to make sure our young men are prepared, and then. The last, again, the last three series we played against the best competition in our division, we were we were beat up a little bit. I mean, that's not an excuse for how we played. The, the there is no excuse for how we played. It's just it's understandable when you play good teams that you're going to get beat sometimes. But as I said, we had a lot of guys out there the last part of the season. Everybody got healthy for the tournament. Ty Jackson wanted to play our leadoff hitter and center fitter. Wanted to play so bad against Bethune Cookman. I said, "There's no way you're playing because you have to be ready for the tournament." Because I knew if we were going to win any games in the tournament, we weren't going to be able to do it without Ty Jackson leading off for us. So uh, everybody got a little bit of happy, and we got a little, you know, baseball is a game of momentum. We got the momentum on our side, and, and we're able to, you know, fortunately win four ball games. We even had the guy that was on the mound when, that walked, when we walked off, when Alabama State walked us off. He came back the next four games, pitched every game, and got a save in every one of them. So just the resiliency of our players, our young men, uh, was something to behold, and something that people haven't, you know, we haven't, nobody's talked about. I it just it just came to my mind during this interview. We did we won we played six games, won five of them in the tournament. We were four four of the five games that we won. We were the visiting team, including the three games against Alabama State and the one against Bethune Cookman, uh, and then the first game we played against the number two seed from the other side, Texas Southern. So for all but one game that we played, we were the visiting team. So that made it even more impressive of what our young men were able to accomplish. A couple of more thoughts with Jamie Shoup, the head baseball coach at Florida a and I, You know, I look – I mean, you know, you look at the numbers. I mean, you've just got it. Your team has gotten it done offensively. 69 home runs as a, as a team with four guys that have double-digit home runs, including uh, Sebastian – is it Greco or Greco who has yeah. 17 of those home runs? And I look at the I'm, the, I'm just saying, I look at the all conference team and I know it's not all about the number. You had only one guy that was first team all conference yet. You're hitting, yeah. you guys are hitting the ball yeah. a ton. Again, a testament to how good the SWAC uh, baseball is. Uh, it's, uh, it's loaded top to bottom with good players in every team on every team in the, in, of all the 12 teams, uh, and just to put the home run total in perspective for FAMU baseball, again, this is my 10th year at FAMU, nine seasons, because you have to take the COVID season out where we only played 15, 20 games. I had never had a guy in my coaching career at FAMU hit double-digit home runs. This year we've got four guys with 10-plus double-digit home run totals. You know, the, the record for home runs was 15, I believe it was, in the season, or 14. And there were two guys that had accomplished that, but it was, I think, 20 years ago and 30 years ago. Uh, both of them were tied, and Greco was able to hit 17 to better that record by two. We hit more doubles than it's been hit in the history of the program. People don't remember because when we were in the MEAC in 2016, we were fifth in the country in hitting, uh, third in, in uh, on-base percentage, and I think eighth in run score. We out-hit Florida State, Florida, Miami, every team in the state of Florida. Uh, we couldn't pitch a lick. And this last season, this, this past season, was uh, similar to that 2016 team because we did not pitch well during the regular season. And then the guys 
in the postseason just just threw it through their best game. We had Dallas Tees that threw his best game. We had Trey Simmons that threw his best game. We had Raylan Wagner. We had three guys that had not thrown as well as they threw in the tournament, all three in start, all three in an elimination game. So very pleased, proud of our team. We are an offensive team. I feel like we could hit. I said that from day one to begin the season, that our pitching consistently got better throughout the course of the season. Yeah, last two thoughts. You, you, you talked about, I mean, seven runs, even though you gave up 17, seven runs against Florida when you played them a little bit earlier because the pitching is hot and maybe not as w- what you would have liked to see during the course of the regular season, but it's hot. How do you feel like that will carry over into this re- into regional play? You know, I don't know. I, that's a that's a question that that we'll have to wait and see how it plays out. But I know that our team's not afraid. I know that we'll walk into this tournament with a lot of confidence. I know that instead of a midweek game when Florida beat us so bad, uh, we are not throwing midweek starters. We're throwing weekend starters. Uh, we will not be able to go with our number one guy, Hunter Beats. Uh, he was he threw a hundred pitches on. Wednesday and then turn around through 100 more on Sunday. So he will need another day off. So we'll throw our number two starter, Caleb Granger. And, um, you know, our, our bullpen's healthy, ready to go. Uh, we're at full strength offensively. So uh, we're not going to go in there and, and worry about anything other than trying to play good baseball, trying to play the best we can, and trying to represent our university the best we can as well. And how much, lastly, how much for you – you, you mentioned, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put the lineup card together, sit back, and enjoy this thing. But you've got experience. I mean, you've got not only as an assistant, obviously many, much experience as an assistant, you've got two years of experience as a head coach. So how does, how does that help you and the team, specifically the team in uh, this regional? And you've got to understand, the longer you're in the game, the more you understand that coaching's probably not going to win it. It still matters. Coaching matters, especially in postseason baseball. But coaching's not going to ball game for you in the postseason. That's up to the players. Uh, it, as I said, it's a lot like raising your kids. You, you, you do everything you can to make sure they do things right. And then when they're 18, 19, 20 years old, you sit back and see what kind of job you've done. That's what postseason baseball is all about. Hopefully we've prepared our young men well enough to go in and compete. Uh, it's going to be a very tough environment. We're playing a very, very tough competition. I mean, I'm a fan of Florida baseball in terms of what they've been able to do the last 10, 20 years, I, you know, again, our men will not go in there and be and be overwhelmed by, we've played at Florida before, we're not going to be overwhelmed by the environment, you know what good baseball looks like, we're very confident, and we're going to go in there and just see what we can do, I mean, uh, that's baseball, you know, anything can happen, we beat Florida in 2014, uh, my first year at, at university, at Florida A&M University, and uh, uh, we beat them because we outplayed them. So any, they were sixth in the country at that time. They happen to be second right now, but we're not going to shy away from them. Uh, whatever happens, happens. It's been a great season. That, nothing that we do in the regional tournament is going to take away from that. Proud of my young men. Again, proud of my university. and proud of the way they represent our university. And uh, Rattlers are showing up in Gainesville. We're going to see what happens. Again, Jamie Shoup, 10th season, nine on the field as the head baseball coach at Florida A&M joins us here on the program, the Rattlers are the 2023 SWAC Tournament champions in the Gainesville Regional this weekend. Coach Shoot, we appreciate the time. Good luck to you and the Rattlers. We appreciate that. and Hopefully, hopefully we'll get a lot of Florida A&M University fans coming to the games this weekend. Fam, you head baseball coach Jamie Shoop switching gears. Mike Wallace, senior editor of Grind City Media, talks NBA after this small pause for the cause. This is Box to Row.
You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. That is the voice of Steph Curry. Your progress from Davidson to now with Golden State. Where I've come from in high school into a small D1 college at Davidson. Uh, it's a great story, and uh, I'm just having fun you know, living my dream and riding the ride. That, of course, the voice of Bianca Belair. EST is in the building. That's what Sasha Banks and I are going to do. We're going to uh, WrestleMania. We're going to create history. We're going to be the first two black females to have a title match at WrestleMania. I would say representation is it's not a request. It's a requirement, and I'm going to, to try to become SmackDown Miss Champion. But it's more than just creating a moment and becoming a champion. Just by us standing in the ring, we are representation for women and for Black women. And so that's an amazing feeling to be able to be that, be that person and be on that platform and the greatest of them all. And and be able to create history. It's just, it's an honor. That is the voice of Kevin Durant. I'm excited I get to play for them. They support us in everything we do. You know, it's a joy to, you know, go to work and, and know that you're going to be, uh, you know, they're going to cheer for you as loud as they can, no matter who you're playing. I'm talking about none other than Serena Williams. That was definitely one of the better matches I've ever played. I've had it just like that. You know, it's really focused. It's really, you know, excited. Rob Manfred is the commissioner of Major League Baseball players that have been accused in their career of using performance-enhancing drugs, should they be in the Baseball Hall of Fame? I'm going to focus on one word in your question, okay? Accused. Players who have tested positive or there's otherwise been real solid proof that they were involved with performance-enhancing drugs, I think that Hall of Fame writers are entitled to make their own judgment about those players as to whether they think that performance-enhancing drugs or their use of performance-enhancing drugs should prevent them from being in the Hall of Fame. You cannot determine who used performance-enhancing drugs by the way a player looks. It's simply not possible. The one and only Michael Strahan. Always good to talk to you. Hopefully next time it won't be, what, 14 years. You can get to it. <laughs> Man, you know what it's good? And, and, and uh, you're encouraging people to be better and do better. And, and that's what I love, man. So thank you. I appreciate you. I'm talking about none other than common. Well, I ended up in Sam just because I wanted to major in business. And Sam, you had the illustrious school of business. Then I found out that business was the key. That's what I wanted to do. NBA All-Star Chris Paul. That was great to bring it back to Winston-Salem State University, a uh, black college. Something that my city had never seen before, may never see again. And just having a up-close and personal feeling with LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Mellogs. It was exciting. I'm grateful for those guys coming out. He is Stephen A. Smith. Congratulations on all the things y'all have done. Congratulations. Keep up the hard work. Winston-Salem State, where I had an absolute ball. The only part that was bad uh, was the basketball because my first year there, I cracked my kneecap in half. If I had one thing that I could do over, it would be that I would be there 100% healthy so I could really showcase what I could do. But outside of that, there's absolutely nothing that I would have changed. It was the greatest years of my life. Simone Biles. I guess I just go in there with a positive, open mind of just doing what we do in training and going out there and doing the best that we can do and just have fun with it. I didn't really think of the outcome, but I knew that we had been training hard and we were re- we were just ready. Greatest football player to ever play, Jim Brown. Muhammad Ali was a principal person in the country at the time, and he stood up and said that he was not going to the service because it was against his religion. Called all the top black athletes together, along with Carl Stoke, the first black mayor of a major city. So. 
I'm glad you brought that particular incident up. Snoop Dogg is on the mic. Pay attention. Oh, man, thank you for having me play in a real way. I mean, I'm so honored. Still, you football league has done so many wonders. We got over 200 kids that have graduated from high school. We have over 50 kids that have going to Division One. Kyrie Irving. Playing at Duke for Coach K. What was that like and how that prepared you for the league now? Playing 11 games, you know, a lot of people think that's not a you know, big package for you to become a better player, but for me it was. Playing for Coach K, he gave me the keys to, to the car and I was driving it in the first eight games and you know, being a part of something special like that and having a brotherhood built at an institution such as that one is an experience that you never forget. Ice Cube has been our guest. Hey man, thanks for letting me talk a little music, movies, and sports. Hey, my favorite three topics. Hey everybody, what's going on? This is Anthony Anderson, international movie star and funny mother. <laughs> and you're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. From the Press Box to Press Row is the sports talk show that is the voice and the talk of HBCU sports with a flair for pro sports talk and entertainment. Check the show out online at www.boxtorow.com. That's From the Press Box to Press Row, real, relevant, radio. Let's keep things moving here on Box to Row. We're going to talk some NBA, get a little bit more in-depth. And to do that, Mike Wallace, the senior editor of Grind City Media, joins us on the program. I'm telling you, you guys got to check out grindcitymedia.com. They do everything from H, obviously, the Grizzlies, HBCU, college. They have many, many podcasts. Grindcitymedia.com. Mike Wallace joining us on the program. And, by the way, if anybody can talk Miami Heat in addition, it is Mike Wallace. What's going on, Mike? Hey, man, a little bit of everything, man. I'm loving this time of year. Beautiful weather, beautiful people, NBA finals, uh, a lot of things going on, man, across the uh, the box-to-road landscape and universe, man. I'm just happy to be a part of it this time around again. Yes, sir. And, you know, man, it's interesting because last time we talked, and, you know, I'm, I'm watching um, – the the it was NBA countdown on, on a Sunday. Um, I guess this was what maybe a month ago, three weeks ago, uh, or whatever. Actually, I was watching another program, and I think the NBA countdown may have come on like three. Uh, came in on at two thirty. I turned at three o'clock, and I'm I'm watching. They're showing video of John Morant, and I'm thinking and immediately. My thought was, why are you guys still talking about what happened several months ago? It was something. Different, and I know we haven't talked with you about it since the second video um, has now come up. What's the latest uh, there? What are the the executives with the Grizzlies thinking, and what do you think uh, punishment the league will hand down? You know, it's it's one of those situations where you know this thing is has happened. Uh, Adam, you know, Silver, the commissioner, came out I guess about a month ago during the playoffs uh, in his interview with uh, Malika Andrews. It was it was on the draft lottery um, right before the draft lottery. And, you know, he basically, you know, expressed his concern about the repetitive nature of, of you know, Ja getting caught up in, you know, two incidents in, in a span of three or four or five weeks. Um, he had already served the eight-game suspension, um, you know, in March uh, for, for, you know, the action that he took um, that was, con- that, you know, conduct detrimental. I mean, you know, with, the, you know, the gun and social media and all of those kind of things. And, you know, it, it's been – hey, you know, the the investigation is going on. There's going to be some level of response. And then it's been cricket since then. So I think, you know, in, in a lot of ways, you know, both the Grizzlies, uh, Grizzlies fans, um, you know, John Moran, his, his, his circle, Nike, and, and some of the corporate sponsors are all waiting 
to figure out where this thing lands. Uh, and, and hopefully, you know, if you if you looked at Jaws' latest statement, um, he said, "Listen, I know my words ring kind of hollow right now." And I'm paraphrasing what he said, but you know, he's, he he you know said he is committed to getting better, and he you know he knows it's about his actions at this point after having this happen again. So, you know, everybody's expecting some level of suspension. Um, how long that is, whether it's 10 games, 20 games, or more, um, I, I think that's going to come. But I also think a key component in this is uh, some mental health and, and his mental wellness and to get him in a, pay, a place and a space that's going to prioritize that, um, at least during the summer months and during the off season. So, you know, we'll see uh, where it goes from that standpoint. But as an organization, you know, it's it's basically wait and then adjust as you can. But we're getting into the draft. Uh, then you're getting into free agency and some other decisions that have to be made. And what the team will want is some kind of uh, uh, direction one way or another in terms of what they're up against as they go into those kind of decisions. Yeah, thank you for, uh, for giving us that update. And now let's talk a, a little bit about uh, the finals. It, the, the finals is where it is currently after uh, one game. Who did you have? What are your thoughts on, on in terms of who will ultimately win this year's finals? You know, I, <laughs> I, I, I did not pick Miami getting this far. I didn't see them getting past Milwaukee in the first round. I felt like they were going to get past the Knicks once that matchup happened. Um, I didn't pick them to get past Boston in the uh, conference finals. And, you know, they, they keep just making believers or, or, or you know, fools, depending on which side you're on, out of people who, who go against them. Um, I, I know that franchise. I know Spolstra. I know the inner workings of, of, of what Pat Riley is doing there and Alonzo Mourning and, you know, all of the uh, the front office staff, you know, um, Mickey, you know, Mickey Arison, the owner, you know, and, you know, just all of those guys, man. It, it's It's one of those things where I think on the surface, Denver, my pick would be Denver in seven. And it's Denver because I feel like they're favorite and, and they deserve to win the championship. They they are they're the most complete team I've seen in the playoffs. But I'm picking seven because I'm giving Miami the benefit of any doubt that's remaining that they can do you know one or two or, or three games, win one or two games they're not supposed to, and then just beat Denver in another game and put themselves in position to get back to seven again. So. You know, it, it's it's re- ultimate respect. It's a pick em to me in that situation. I don't think Denver's overwhelmingly favored or should be, even though the numbers suggest they are. Uh, but at the same time, you kind of wonder when Miami Cinderella slipper uh, is gonna is gonna get lost. Whether that you know that potion is gonna you know go away and they become you know the team that's been undermanned and 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 uh, these role players are playing way above their heads. Do they regress to the mean at some point? You just never know, but they got this far doing it their way, and I trust their way. Mike Wallace is the senior editor of Grind City Media, joins us here on Box to Row to talk some NBA. To the point, you have a pulse on that Miami Heat organization, having covered the organization for 10 years, all three championships, which includes pre-LeBron James. What would it mean for the Heat and to the city, or specifically to the city of Miami for the Heat to win the championship? Oh, you know, when you look at, uh, you know, Miami as a team, as a franchise, they've won three tri- titles. You know, they got into the finals uh, plenty of times. You know, six times, I believe, they, they've won, uh, you know, three championships. I was there for all three of the championship teams. And, you know, the, the first one you, you had to expect because they swung for the fences, uh, uh, traded for Shaq, got that $100 million deal done 
at the time, you know, that was when the first set of $100 million deals was coming through the league. And it seemed like now, you know, you're approaching $300 million now with the max salaries. But, um, you know, you, you, you had the biggest and, and most dominant center with something to prove, and, and D-Wade was the up-and-coming star. So you felt like, okay, this team needed to win a championship. You made that trade to get a title. Then in free agency, Mr. James came through, LeBron James and Chris Bosh, and you shook up uh, what NBA free agency was all about. So titles were expected, and they won two in four years. This one right here, though, would be the most surprising, improbable championship that probably any team has won. Um, you know, because I'm going back and I'm thinking, Donald, I'm thinking, okay, so when was the last time you were surprised by an NBA championship team? And, you know, what was that team? And, you know, you can go back and say, you know, people might say Toronto when Toronto won it. Well, they had Kawhi Leonard, you know what I mean, who was in the peak of his powers at that point. And then Kevin Durant got injured towards Achilles and that kind of leveled the playing field. Um, Milwaukee had Giannis, you know, MVP guy. So, it's, it's, you know, when was the last time a team surprised you by winning a championship? Golden State had its run, and before that, it was San Antonio. This might be the most improbable championship team if Miami can pull it off. You know, I, man, I, you got you to gotta tell me one because I cannot think of one. Maybe Dallas, you know, with Dirk Nowitzki when they knocked off Miami um, that first time around. Right. You know, and, and maybe, maybe, I mean, the second time, and, and maybe that was it, but – this 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 will be an improbable run by the Heat in, in the history of NBA, no matter what. Mike Wallace, senior editor of Grind City Media, joining us here on the program. Listen to a lot of Jimmy Butler talk all weekend, deservedly so. I mean, this guy's been absolutely incredible, and he just raises his game, and it's been that way. I mean, I remember, you know, I remember covering a, a game with, uh, I think it was 2014, when the Bulls were at the Wizards, and I mean, he was just a really good player. There, So I'm starting to hear about some top 75 talk and all of these things. Um, it's no doubt that he raises his game to another level. I mean, where, why don't we consider, I mean, I guess we, we sort of do, but when you're generally mm-hmm. talking top 10 players, we don't consider Jimmy Butler as one of the top 10 in the league. But I guess, are, should we start to consider him in that manner now? He's a guy that does it in the playoffs. He does it at a clutch time. And frankly, just... You know, you, there's room for him to be overlooked, but also room for to admit that, hey, he didn't play his best basketball until, you know, the last month or the last two months of the season and, and into the playoffs. And some guys are like that. You know, that's why you call them playoff this or, you know, postseason that. You know what I mean? You have different guys uh, that seem to just step up in the right moments at the right time and really galvanize their team. Miami was not this team in the regular season. If they were, they wouldn't come in with a number eight seed. Um, but having said that, they went in last year as the number one seed, and uh, and they couldn't get all get the job done. But the best thing about Jimmy Butler is that there's not a weakness in his game. He plays on both ends of the floor. And here's the thing, O'Donnell, which is which is I, I thought about this. We gave and elevated Kawhi Leonard to the point where you know he became a superstar without even having a brand, without even really having a voice, you know, without even really having a lot of quotes and sound bites and commercials and all of those kind of things. He just went out and did his work on both ends of the court and elevated his team. Jimmy Butler is a lot like Kawhi Leonard in that sense. I mean, they're about the same. Jimmy might be a little bit older than Kawhi, or they're around the same age. But the way that they go about impacting their teams on both ends of the floor, um, Kawhi is going to go down as one of the greatest players in the game because of what we've seen him do in San Antonio, Toronto, and to a much lesser extent now with the Clippers. 
Jimmy Butler has also been around with many different teams. And it's like now he's just starting to be that player and get that kind of notoriety and accolade that, uh, that's been missing for, for the bulk of his career. But two trips to the finals with the Miami Heat, you know, he went to the Western, Eastern Conference Finals three times uh, in the last five years. Um, you know, his resume is going to speak for itself, and it's one that we're going to appreciate probably a, a lot more uh, as we get further away from his playing days. I realize the 75 are already set because of the 75 years of the NBA. If he leads this Heat team to a title, would you know? Would you consider him top 76 or, or whatever? You know? Yeah, I mean, you know, he's he's if, if uh, you know 75. Um, I'm sure he can find a spot in there somewhere. You know, um, his, his how many All Stars has he won? You know, how many? Uh, you know, he, he's going to be a guy. Like I said, his 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 accomplishments are going to be. You're going to look back over the course of his career, and you're going to say, "Man, he had two or three great." Like it's like it's like a, a musician or, or or band or, or, or artist. They had two or three great albums over the course of a 20 year career, and are those great albums going to be enough to carry him through? basically the first four or five years of his career when he was basically relegated to the bench in Chicago. Remember, Jimmy Butler was on that team when Derrick Rose was MVP right. of the league back in, in those Chicago years. He just couldn't get on the court because he was playing behind, you know, Luol Deng and, 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 and different guys like that. You know, he couldn't get on the floor uh, on, on the wing with those, you know, uh, Taj Gibson and Joakim Noah, Derrick Rose teams. Um, that had those guys. So, you know, and Kirk Heinrich, he couldn't play, you know, ahead of those guys. And now, you know, he was disruptive when he got to Minnesota. Um, it flamed out in Philadelphia. They didn't really know what they had. And then when he got to Miami, it just blossomed. So I think, yes, when you when you look at his work and his resume in the finals and in the playoffs, yeah, he deserves to be a top 75, definitely a top 100 lock. Again, follow him on Twitter at MyMikeCheck. Check out his work at grindcitymedia.com. He is Mike Wallace, senior editor of Grind City Media, joining us here on the program. Mike, as always, appreciate the time, man. We look forward to catching up with you real soon. Hey, I'm looking forward to it, man. Let's do it again before these finals are over. I think it's going to go long, so we'll definitely have another opportunity to catch up for sure. My man, Mike Wallace, senior editor of Grind City Media. We'll be back. More of Box to Row with Donald Ware is on the way. The old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way. Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whip Beer. The neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. Served in total wine all over North Carolina. All Weaver Street Markets. Harris Teeter. Food Lion. You can also purchase in Durham at Zwelly's, Saltbox, and Barica Soul.
I am a non-attorney spokesperson representing a team of lawyers who help people that have been injured or wronged. If you've been involved in a serious car, truck, or motorcycle accident or injured at work, you have rights and you may be entitled to money for your suffering. Don't accept an offer you get from an insurance company until you talk to a lawyer. And we represent some of the best personal injury lawyers you can find. Tough lawyers that will fight to win your case. And they're so good they stake their reputation on it by only getting paid if you win. So if you've been in a serious car, truck, or motorcycle accident or hurt on the job, find out today for free what kind of compensation you may be entitled to. Call the Legal Helpline right now. 800-425-6588-800-425-6588-800-425-6588. That's 800-425-6588. It's Donald Ware from the press box to press row. Mike Wallace, senior editor of Grind City Media, joining us in the last segment to talk some NBA. And Adam Silver going to hand down the punishment for John Morant after the NBA Finals, which makes sense. Uh, You don't want to take away from the NBA Finals, which has been a, a great NBA playoffs to this point. Miami on the ropes a little bit, but only after game one. You know some adjustments are going to be made. And a series doesn't begin until the road team uh, gets a victory. And so you you would expect Dallas. But, I mean, I think Dallas wins this anyway. But that said, anything can happen with Miami. I I know Jimmy Butler. We're going to talk a little bit more about uh, game one, maybe he didn't have his best game and needed a little bit more. But I, you know, I think you know Denver's just a really, really good team. So anyway, good move. This is a good move by the league, not to overshadow because this is not a great story as as one that has been in uh, public relations for many, many years. Uh, you know, there's a saying: all all PR or any PR is not, is good PR, right? Not always, like yes and no. Even some stories that may not be the greatest of stories aren't the worst thing. But this isn't a good, this isn't a good look for the league. It's not a good story for the league. It's not something that if you're the league, you want to be in the news for because all the sports outlets are going to talk about it. Right. But then it's it's a news. It's newsworthy. So you're going to have all the news outlets uh, talking about it as well. And it's not something that's a good look. So I think this is a good move and happening. And and, I mean, uh, Commissioner Silver even mentioned that it's going to happen shortly after the NBA finals. I would say within a couple of days, I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily maybe I mean, maybe the next day. You get through that maybe the next day and then it doesn't overshadow uh, necessarily whoever wins the series doesn't overshadow uh, their their celebration either. Those normally take place a couple of days after and you want to get this out of the way well before the NBA draft, which is at the latter part of of the month time the series is over let's say it goes six or seven games so you're talking about another 
what, another week and a half or so, another couple of weeks. So you don't want it uh, to go too much into the NBA draft. So game one of the finals in Denver. And I mean, I think the Nuggets, at least in game one, really left no doubt 104 to 93 victory. As I watched this game, it was apparent to me from the onset that not only was Denver the more talented team, and I think if you know, I, I think if you look at a guy like a Bruce Brown and he's coming off your bench, you know, Bruce Brown is a solid player, right? I think you know he's a player that on a lot of teams would be a starter. To me, the guy can just play ball. He's coming off the bench. We've got a guy like that coming off the bench along with some other guys. I mean, that really speaks volumes to me. You look at the starting five of the Nuggets. I mean, there's no weaknesses there. Uh, And, by the way, the thing about the Nuggets, Jokic can do so many things. Like, he doesn't have to be the guy to score a, a lot of points. Although, when you look at Jokic and the points that he had, he ended up having 27 points. He had like 10 assists in the first half. But he's one of those guys, sometimes a, a, a broadcast partner uh, that I used to work with used to say, well, if a, if a person has, you know, five assists, that's 10 points, right? Which, which, which is true. So, I mean, 10 assists in the first half, even though he didn't have a lot of points, they didn't need him because you had – you know, you had a, a, a Jamal Murray who had a, a, a splendid first half. And by the way, Murray, uh, Jokic finished with 14 assists. Murray had 10, okay, plus the 26 points. I mean, I think if you look at someone, I mean, th- to me, they were equal, right? Like I could have looked at Murray really being the catalyst for this team in the first half, Jokic more so from a rebounding perspective in the second half, but it's almost like they flipped. Points for Murray in the first half, assists for Jokic in the first half. And then in the second half, it was more about Jokic with the points and Murray with the assists. But anytime you're going to get, you know, even though KCP, Contavious, Caldwell, Pope, I mean, he had some big buckets and some important buckets in the first half. Uh, You know, Gordon was really unstoppable. And, you know, the Heat really just didn't have an answer for the Nuggets in the post, well, not just in the post, but generally speaking. I mean, the Nuggets did what the Nuggets wanted to do. Now, I'm going to give the Heat credit, especially in the first half. Kind of kind of hung around a little bit, kept it to within seven points here and there. It would go double digits. The Heat would come back, as the Heat normally does. Heat, The Heat going to make adjustments in game two. There's no doubt about it, but... You can make as many adjustments as you want. We know Spolstra is an excellent coach. The At the end of the day for the Heat, and it's much like I was saying last week that because I thought, again, I thought that the Celtics would win that series, but the Heat came to play. Why? Because the Heat hit shots in game seven. Everything fell for the Heat. And if the Heat's going to have any chance really of winning this series. No doubt in my mind that they can take a couple of games, whether they, whether the Heat can take a game two on Sunday, we'll, we'll see because that, I mean, that's a, it's a tall task. It's, you know, it's, it's a bill. I mean, I think the crowd play, was tremendous, played a big role uh, for, in, in terms of really lifting 
the Nuggets. This is the first finals for the Nuggets in the Nuggets history. I think it's 47 years. So, you know, the crowd was going to be into it. And, and let, let me think. I don't know about the um, the uh, the, color, the Rockies. I'm not sure if the Rockies have a World Series that won it. I don't think so. Uh, more recently, the Avalanche, I'm not sure about. But, I mean, this, when I when I think about Denver, it's a city starving for a championship. Okay, you, you, you have to go all the way back to the late 90s when the Broncos won back-to-back titles. The Nuggets have never done it again. I'm not, I don't think the Rockies have, and I'm not sure about the Avalanche uh, off the top of my head. Uh, but in any event, I don't think it's been more recently anyway. So, you know, this is a city that's starving for a championship, particularly uh, on the NBA side. So I thought the crowd was great. But you look at Struess. He had no points in the game. That, that again, he's a role player, but every, you know, it's all hands on deck for the everybody has to step up and make buckets. Struess could not find a bucket, had open shots, zero points in the game. Like that, that's not, you know, as a starter, that's not going to fly. You know, Vincent had a solid game. Martin, not so much. Martin was key. I mean, a lot of talk about Martin being the MVP of the Eastern Conference Finals and that he should have been the MVP. Well, three points isn't going to cut it. You know, Jimmy Butler, 13 points, not going to cut it, especially when Butler had like five or seven points just in the first quarter. He had some, he hit, he hit like his first three shots, right? So, and one of those was a three, if I'm not mistaken. So that's seven points, finished with 13 points. That's six points from quarters two th- from the second quarter on. Not going to get it done uh, at all. I think Butler's going to have a bounce back game. To me, he's more of a fourth quarter player, but the thing about it, and he's a primetime player. But if you're sort of out of it by the time the fourth quarter comes around, then, you know, he can he can help to bring you back. But I, I just think that really, I mean, I just think that that the Heat, the Denver really just put the Heat really out of it and, and give the Heat some credit for making it a little bit close. But, I mean, at the end of the day, I, I thought this was a dominating, an absolutely dominating performance by the Denver Nuggets. I think that, as I mentioned, uh, the Nuggets are going to win this series in six games. They're the better team. They have the better talent. They, You want to double-team Jokic? You can do that. That's what the Heat did from time to time. It left, I mean, it left, you know, it left Gordon, like, wide open a lot of times or in one-on-one coverage with, with a smaller defender. So the Heat has to really figure this out. I mean, I know the Heat at, at, at some points played uh, some zone, but I think at the end of the day, defense, you're going to need defensive stops. Defense as a whole from the Heat, not going to happen. Nuggets too talented, too big. But key defensive plays at times for the Heat coupled by hitting Shots, and there's no way in the world. I know Struess is a role player. Okay, fine. He's got to play his role. He's got to score points. Okay, you know Bam out of bio was really really good. I like I said Vincent was solid. Outside of that, I mean Highsmith off the bench was was solid as well. But Butler, 
Also, Struess and Martin have to combine for more than 16 points in game two if the Heat want to have an opportunity. My time is about up. I thank you for yours. Thank you to Mike Wallace. Also, thank you to Jamie Shoup for joining us today here on Pox to Row. For more information on the program, great podcasts, great conversations, one-on-one conversations, content, log on to our website, BoxToRow.com. As I alluded to a little bit earlier in the show, I want to welcome our newest affiliate and those in the Queen City. Listening to us on 7.30 The Game ESPN Charlotte, thank you for making Box to Row a part of your day. And always remember to support those that support your Box to Row is produced by DW Communications. Come on, I met this girl when I was 10 years old. And what I love most, she had so much.